Hello, and welcome back to Belonging. I'm your host, Erica Young. On this podcast, we talk about teachers and their responsibility to make sure that students can bring their whole selves to the classroom. In the first episode, we heard from a white teacher who told black students to move their cotton-picking bodies. It was a moment of truly great stress, and I just shouted out, get your cotton-picking bodies off of those boards and away from him. I want to talk to her again. I got to talk to her again so that she understands what it is that she did. So she understands the impact that she had on those students. But before we do that, I want to talk about the title of this podcast, Belonging. While we were making the podcast, we had another name for it, Blind Spots. A blind spot, like when you're driving. You can see what's right in front of you, but there are other things you can't see unless you turn and look. And that's true for teachers, too, when it comes to things like race and gender and religion. But as we started to have people listen to the episodes, we were told that Blind Spots was ableist, that it prioritizes people who can see and people who can't might feel left out. I had to think about that for a minute because Blind Spots didn't offend me. I saw no reason to change it. And I was put in touch with someone who knew a bit more about the subject matter than I did. My producers put me in touch with Beth Finke. I actually can walk down the street and not tell what people look like, whether it's color or if they're thin or they're fat. Beth is a teacher in Chicago who teaches writing to older students in their 70s and 80s. But she's also an author herself. And Beth is a person who happens to be blind. I could see until I was 25 years old. And then I got this disease, retinopathy, it's called, and I lost my sight. It took about a year for me to go from being able to see and it just got worse and worse. And I had lots of surgeries and they didn't work. So after that, I couldn't see anybody anymore. And so I judge people on what they say and what they do. I asked Beth to weigh in on the title we were considering for the show. Blind spots. I don't think of that term as a negative. When you look in the rearview mirror, there's a blind spot. So that's not ableist. It's just a spot you can't see. I think it's a good title for exactly what you're doing. I asked Beth to tell me about a time she felt left out. If you can't see and you're in a group where you're not, you haven't been before, it's really difficult. You don't know where the people are to go up and approach them. I like parties and I like meeting new people and now I can't go up to them. I still can't. I haven't figured out a way to go up to a stranger or something. Beth has written three books, including one for kids. So a while back, she heard about this organization for people who wrote children's books. They were having a networking event in Chicago where she lives. So Beth made her way there. I think I asked somebody if there was a seat somewhere, and they led me to a seat. And I sat down there, and nobody came up to talk to me. She says one person said hi, but that was about it. I think I finally, I not got angry. I just thought, well, this isn't doing what I thought I'd be doing for me. And so I just went home. Beth needed other people to actively do something, to go out of their way, to approach her. Over time, I realized the heart of this podcast is that feeling of belonging. And this show is about more than what teachers can or can't see. It's about how we, as teachers and educators, build up that sense of belonging in students.
like I'm I'm just speechless. I talk a lot and you leave me speechless. <laughs> this is something going on here. Well, I think we're two people who talk a lot. I belong in the woods. Why? Um because I'm a wolf. What does it mean to belong? It means that you live in somewhere. Uh do you feel like at school do you feel like you belong? Yes. Why? Because you learn stuff and you're there a lot. Like every day, except on weekends. On the first episode of this podcast, we talked with someone I used to teach with. I just shouted out, get your cotton-picking bodies off of those boards. One young man turned around and said, that sounds racist. I reacted and I flew off the handle at that young man and told him that by no means was what I said racist. It was not intended that way and that if he took it that way, that was his problem. After I re-listened to this conversation, I noticed that I didn't do what I expect a good teacher to do. I didn't push back. I didn't challenge her way of thinking. I simply accepted what she said. I cowered away, and I didn't stand up for those black students who couldn't stand up for themselves that day in the hallway. Later on, when I was driving, I recorded myself talking about this. I just listened to myself interviewing the teacher from the cotton picking incident. And I am very, very disappointed in myself. I felt like I did a lot of things to disarm her and to make her feel comfortable enough to share her true version of the story. And I know that was my intent going in, is to get her honest to God feeling. But I did a thing that I'm not proud of and that I don't like. This whole cotton picking incident happened years ago, but it still eats away at me. So I got back in touch with my colleague, and this time, I did the talking. I wanted her to listen. Listen, I'm going to start off by saying, like, you've had a tumultuous, like, year. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I was quiet and I listened last time um, because I wanted to hear where you were coming from. Right. And as we embark on this journey, I want your permission to have a courageous conversation with you. Is it okay? Absolutely. Okay. I told her about the damage she did to those Black students. Those young men came to look for me. That's how I learned about it. They came to look for me. Because as a Black teacher, I am responsible for making sure that Black students are welcomed in the space because I know what it is. And I apparently did my job because they raced down past a hall full of white teachers to tell me that something had happened. Keep in mind, this is just one tiny incident in one small school. Imagine how much weight black teachers are carrying for their colleagues when the reality is that all teachers need to share in this responsibility. You have to actively seek to be better. Absolutely. That's what this podcast is about, actively seeking to do better. Like, I'm not going to lie. After I listened to that, I said, what do I think the biggest lesson for her was? And listening to it, I think the biggest lesson was 
you learn not to say cotton picking anymore. You know, and and that does sound like the easy answer. But I think the deeper answer, honestly, for me was listen to what is said. I honestly think that even after the cotton picking comment, had I responded to exactly what they said, that it would have been a completely different conversation. Teachers, when you enter the classroom, you don't have to leave yourself out of the classroom. Bringing you into the classroom is a beautiful thing. It only becomes a problem when you ignore your power, your privilege, and your biases and and the issues that they create in students' lives. So be you. Walk into that classroom as you, but be a you that is sensitive to others and understanding how you want to be treated. Inclusion isn't enough. You have to build belonging. The classroom belongs to the students just as much as it belongs to you. So you have to examine your biases. We come into the classroom with all of our baggage, and just on the other side of our beliefs is someone's development. So we have to be thoughtful. And like my colleague said, we've got to listen. Graham Johnson is an educator who taught in Washington Heights, New York. His students have been making audio work like podcasts and music about their lived experiences and the social conditions that affected them. Graham is an example of a teacher who creates a sense of belonging by allowing students to express. One of our producers, Rosa, has been inspired by what Graham and his students have been making. She reached out to see if we can get them involved. So Graham invited some of his high school student producers to meet with us via Zoom. Rose, Geralis, Josie, and Javi, who you may remember from episode two. Our producer, Rosa, told the students a bit about our project and what we hope to learn from them. You might have completely well-meaning educators doing um, things that are actually causing a lot of harm. People need to become aware of blind spots, but need to actively overcome them. And a blind spot, the way we're thinking about it, is not a like metaphor about disability. It's more of the idea of when you're driving, like Erica's in her car right now. When you're driving, your blind spot is the place that is the thing that you actively have to turn around to see. It's not in your immediate vision. It's not even in your peripheral vision. You can't see it in the mirror. You really, really have to look at it. So we're hoping to tell stories of how schools or teachers or students as well have had opportunities to look towards their blind spots around things like race and sexuality and gender and um, disability and all of these different issues. And since we're a group of adults that's been working on it, we don't want to be shaping it about what we think is important if those aren't actually things that are important to um, students that are experiencing these things. In this podcast, what are like the issues that you think are really, really important to be lifted up? And I'll pass to Javi. I feel like respecting is, of course, great, but I feel like going that extra mile to understand is really what creates the feeling of acceptance. Once you start asking questions that are very direct, I feel, it creates an environment where people want to talk and sort of share their opinions, and it creates a way for people to start talking. And from what I've seen, it's never actually ended up in anything offensive. It's always ended up in people talking about what they feel and why they feel it. And I feel like that's overall the most important thing. Um, One of the biggest things that I've noticed in sort of the ways 
teachers, in my experience, get people talking about these different experiences of marginalized groups, it's always a binary side process. Rather, you agree with this or you don't. And it's always sort of like pitching people against each other. I think in order to get people who don't necessarily understand race or gender or sexuality or religion is to get them talking like a person. I feel like it's a more safe way to sort of live and ask questions in a gray area where it's not black and white because those questions where confusion is is where clarification comes. I do wish people know the difference between like when they ask a question know the difference between asking a question respectfully or like in a microaggression way. Because I've experienced, because I'm Muslim, honestly. Like, and I also notice a lot of people make um, assumptions about me or have like biased feelings about me due to stereotypes. Um, especially, remember in middle school, um, I, was, I was in a foreign country. I stayed there for seventh and half eighth grade. Um, when I went to back to America, the principal had biased opinions when he first came because we, my she originally wanted me to be held back, and my sister was like, um, "No, she doesn't need to be held back. She just needs some extra support on math." And thankfully, my sister advocated for me. She was like, "Okay, I'll tutor her myself, um, and like we'll do like some extra studying at home." And so they did place me in eighth grade. Thankfully. That's so every day after school, I'd go to the teacher and I'd study with her. And when I get home, I'll do Khan Academy. And it was a very long process. I remember calling my sister when I got like raised that D to a C by the end of third quarter. I was like, hey, like I finally raised my grade and we were so happy. But by the end of the year, I had straight A's um, and like all my subjects. Right. And like that just shows like do not make assumptions about someone based on the cover of the book. Okay, my name is Jayalis, right? Um, that's what I've always been called, but since growing up, people didn't know how to say that. They just called me Jayalis, so I like rolled with it. So everybody calls me Jayalis now. Um, but uh, teachers have a hard time remembering my name. So uh, a lot of them call me Jayalis, and that's another student's name. She's in um, my grade and so they get us confused sometimes and sometimes I'm like oh yeah hey my name is Dralis and I correct them but they kind of like forget and I don't correct them again because I feel too embarrassed to and be like oh hey yeah I'm sorry uh, my name is actually Dralis not Dralis and it's like I still go through this now like all my teachers call me Dralis except my crew teacher it's easy to forget you know but it's also, I find it really embarrassing to speak up and be like, hey, my name is actually Um, I'm like a very shy person, so I don't really like speaking up for myself. So um, yeah, a lot of my teachers still call me Geraldine, and I just go with it. What's something that I fear? What's something that uh, I fear the most in, my com in our community, we fear the most? We fear policing. It's like, yeah, policing. And it's kind of just like, I don't want to be on the news being like, oh, Josiette Tambon got arrested. Or I don't want to see a friend of mine like, oh, friend so-and-so got arrested and is being held in custody. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, it happens. You get, we get stopped by police. We get stopped and frisked. We get 
like all these things happen to us and you can't tell us not to do that. The same way that, I, and it's just kind of just like, yeah. Do you feel like the educators at your school and people sort of like understand the impact of like um, disproportionate criminalization of people of color? I feel like um, people in our school, like teachers in our school try to understand, but they really don't understand because again, it's like majority white people. Um, and it's kind of just like, you could try your hardest to understand. You could try your hardest to do research on these things, all these things, but you will never really understand what certain people go through every single day been given nasty glares by people from like white people from like upstate like they have given me those dirty glares where they're just kind of like oh you sound like you're so exotic and all these other things like there's so many there's so many things that it's just kind of like some people will never experience being stopped by an officer some people will never ex or being stopped by an officer because like oh we think you're suspicious or oh this this and that like some people will never experience that in their life Learning takes courage. If a student doesn't feel safe at school, they may not contribute, may not take risk, may not reach their full potential. When students feel like they belong, they engage in the learning. When they arrive with their full selves, they can become their best selves. The following month, we met again. Javi had written a song based on some of the experiences and topics that we discussed and the ways that teachers' blind spots affected their students' sense of belonging. You say it's so easy that this world has finally changed. Sound familiar? This song evolved to become the theme music for the show. Why do I still feel the pain? Javi worked with our composer Sean to finish and produce the song, perform it at an education conference for an audience of around a thousand people, and adapt it into the tracks that you have been hearing throughout the series. I loved that song when I first heard it. Thank you. I'm into an old Southern church lady because I'm like, yes, baby. Yes, <laughs> that's real. I love it. The lyrics, radical, radical. How dare you find my ideas brave? Resonated with me. People sometimes think that it's a radical thing to want to pursue life and liberty and happiness. It shouldn't be considered radical to be called by your name, to not be misgendered, to have others expect your success when you arrive in a new country, to walk down the street without being antagonized by police based on your appearance. Now, here is the song, You Forgot, in its entirety. Radical, radical, how dare you find my ideas brave? I'm not practical, practical. I break all the boundaries you make They're not yours to place You say it's so easy That this world has finally changed But if it's so easy Why do I still feel the pain? So pick and choose, I'll always lose 
Who gets to decide who's wrong now? Oh, you're wrong now. And I'm in this place, I'm in your face But you don't look for your blind spots And I'm once again left on my own Asking for a chance, but you forgot Teacher, teacher when the school bell rings, am I just a student? Am I a equal, equal with something new to bring? This is evolution. You say it's so easy that this world has finally changed. But if it's so easy, why do I still feel the pain? So pick and choose, I'll always lose. Who gets to decide who's wrong now? Oh, you're wrong now. And I'm in this place, I'm in your face But you don't look for your blind spots And I'm once again left on my own Asking for a chance, but you forgot You forgot Ah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Puedes escuchar mis pensamientos. Oh, verme, verme. No me digas lo siento. So pick and choose, I always lose. Who gets to decide who's wrong now? Maybe you're wrong now. And I'm in this place, I'm in your face. But you don't look for your blind spots. And I'm once again left on my own. Asking for a chance, but you forgot. You forgot, uh, 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 you forgot to listen to us. Thank you. Powerful words by a truly talented young person. As always, thank you for listening to Belonging. In the next episode, we'll explore home places, as in affinity spaces. The producers for this show are Bill Healy, Katie Schneider, and Rosa Gaia. Original music, audio engineering, and sound mixing for Belonging are by Sean Brennan. Special thanks to Kate Cahan for help with editing. This is Erica Young, signing off. See you next time.